Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. We began teaching last week and sharing on living with purpose, and I specifically wanted to teach about the purpose of the church. The scripture says in 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Praise God. And I believe that he accomplished what he set out to do. But not only is there a purpose for Jesus, we all as individual believers have a part to play in his purpose. We are his body, the scripture says, the fullness of him that fulfills all things or carries out all things. We read about that last week in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and verse 23. If God is going to do something Today on the earth, God uses a person in a physical body. Amen? So the way God gets things done on the earth is through his church, through his body. So if Jesus has a purpose, we have to become part of that purpose. Paul says this, notice this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, you have fully known my doctrine. In other words, Paul said, you know what I believe. My manner of life. If your doctrine doesn't affect your manner of life, you need to have better doctrine. Or maybe you don't believe your doctrine. He says, my purpose. He says, I am living with purpose. I am accomplishing specific things on purpose. Jesus had a purpose. I believe we're part of his purpose. He said, my faith. I believe if we're going to fulfill the purpose of God on the earth and for our life. It takes faith to do that. Praise God. And so, you know, when I, when I first heard the full gospel preached when I was just 14 years old, I got so excited. Amen? And I started believing God. And I started believing God when I was 14. And you know what? I have received many of the things that I started believing for at that point in time, probably nearly all of them. But at the same point in time, I have not quit believing. I am believing God today for more than I have ever believed him for in my life. And so I'm not slowing down. I'm not backing down. I'm not shutting down. I'm, praise God, I'm going forward and I am using my faith. Said, you have known my purpose and my faith. If we're going to fulfill God's purpose for our life, I believe it takes faith. Then he says this, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, my persecutions, and afflictions. In other words, if you're living with faith, you know what? Don't be surprised that you have to use some long-suffering, some love, and some patience. Hallelujah. You know, I was preaching years ago, probably 20 years ago. My kids and Barbara asked me, it's when my boys were all in the house. Uh, they said, what are you preaching on? What are you starting this week? I said, I'm going to be preaching on patience. And they all laughed at me. <laughs> so I can tell you I'm getting more and more patient. Uh, and I'm manifesting that fruit in a better way. Praise God. But you got to have along with the Bible says, be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He said, Persis, persecutions and afflictions which came to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. You can read about Paul's persecutions 
at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra in the end of Acts 13 and the beginning of Acts 14. And basically, in every place, the first one, you know, at Antioch, he was preaching the gospel. Nearly the whole city came out to hear the word of God. They were having a great revival, but the religious people got jealous and stirred up strife against them. And they talked, you know, they ran them out of town. But it says the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Ghost. Acts 13, 52. Then they went from uh, Antioch to Iconium. And Iconium, they were doing good. They were preaching the gospel. But people came from Antioch and stirred up the people at Iconium. And they ran them out of town again. And then they went to Lystra. And they, had, they were preaching the gospel. They were preaching the grace of God. Getting people healed. Had great miracles. And yet, people came from the last two places and stirred up the religious people, and they dragged Paul out of town, stoned him, and left him for dead. Now, I think I could tell if somebody was dead. And you know what? The disciples gathered around Paul and raised him from the dead, and he got right up, and he went right back where he left off and just kept that. I'm telling you. The devil can't, if you just do what God tells you to do, the devil can't stop you. You know, the devil's only real power against a believer is deception. And Paul just would not quit. But you know what? If you never have any persecution, if you never have any affliction, if you never have anybody come against you, he says, yea, and all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Oh, I, I guarantee you, all you got to do is turn up the godly a little bit and you will, you'll rub somebody wrong. If you never rub anybody wrong, you just haven't probably done very much. Amen. I mean, we're in a world and it's affected. You know what? If you never run into the devil, you're probably going the same way. Some of you act like it's a strange thing when you get, listen. If you're doing much at all today, there's going to be people come against you. The world is going a completely different direction. Listen, the spirit of Antichrist is terrible. If it wasn't for the church in America and the church in the world, you know, the church is the salt of the earth. The church is the light of the world. This world would just go to hell in a handbasket. You know, right downtown here at our city hall, they had a rally yesterday against, you know, you know, cease fire in Israel. That is the biggest bunch of malarkey. I hope Israel wipes Hamas off the face of the planet. They're a bunch of terrorists. You say, well, God loves them. Yeah, he does. They can repent and get saved. You know what? The same spirit that was in Hitler is in, in these people. They don't even realize it. In people today, if it wasn't for the church being salt and light, there was a Jewish girl won a major swimming competition recently, and the people booed. This is the same exact spirit that was in Adolf Hitler when in 1936, praise God, Jesse Owens ran and won the 100 meter and ran all these other things and, and set world records. You know what? The same exact spirit is in these people. The same exact spirit that was in World War II and World War I is working in people today. And it's terrible that people can't stand up against that and think, oh, we just, you don't have, you don't make peace with the terrorist. They're a bunch of, they're a bunch of lying, murdering criminals. 
killing women with child, murdering babies. It is horrible. And you don't make any peace with them. And they don't have a right to be anywhere and to control anything. The Muslims control about 600 times the territory of the state of Israel, and they want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. Israel's this little bitty state, about the third of the size of this state. And you know what? The devil, people just don't even know what spirit they're of. Oh, God loves them. Listen, in the Old Testament, God just told the, he, he told the children of Israel, he just wiped them out. Because he knew if you just let some of this stuff exist, that you, you don't make any peace with the terrorist. It is the responsibility of godly government to stand up for good. And I'm telling you, if the church wasn't the salt and the light of the world, the spirit of Antichrist would completely take this thing over. And we need to keep standing up. We need to keep being salt. We need to keep being light. Somebody mentioned to me, we ought to encourage people to vote. If you haven't voted, go vote. Amen. Praise God, I voted. I forgot about it already. Praise God, but I'm believing for change, and I think some of it's already happening. Amen? But we need to stand up. Praise God. But if you never run into any devils, if you never make anybody mad, if you never have any persecution, maybe you're just going the same way as the devil. Praise God. I'm telling you, people need to stand up. People need to get a backbone. You know, Lester Sumrall talked about, um, he's the head of a major ministry, it's got a college there in the Carolinas or Virginia. I'm trying to think of it. We, Liberty University. And who was the founder of that? Jerry Falwell. Lester Summerall talked about Jerry Falwell. And you know, there's a lot of difference in some of the things Jerry Falwell preached and some of the things Lester Sumrall preached. But Dr. Lester Sumrall said, that man has a backbone of iron and he won't bow down for anybody. And you know what? We need some Christians, even though we may look at some things different, to have a backbone of iron and just stand for the truth. It's time for the church to be salt, the church to be light, and not to be ashamed of who we are and not to be afraid of all this nonsense in the world. So Jesus lived with purpose, and we need to live with purpose, and we need to not be ashamed. Praise God. Amen. And you know what? If you're just going to lay down and play dead and never, never stand up and never say anything, it's terrible. Praise God. God has called us to say some things, and God, God has called us to make a difference. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And you got to stand up and be counted. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we began to talk about living with purpose, and I'm talking specifically what is the purpose of the church. Well, the first purpose of the church is to exalt Jesus. And when we talked about specifically this one area of praise, and when you praise God, when you praise the Lord, it glorifies God. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, Whosoever offers praise glorifies me, and whoever orders his conversation right, I will show the salvation of God. Praise not only glorifies God, praise silences the enemy. If you're having problems with the devil saying stuff, just start praising God and glorifying God and magnifying God. 
The, the Bible says this in Psalm chapter 8. It stills the mouth of the enemy and the avenger, and you'll silence the mouth of the enemy. The third thing that praise does is praise unifies the church. Praise God. We may not ever agree on doctrine completely. We probably never will, but we can agree on Jesus, and we ought to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. So those things. The second thing, when we talk about the purpose of the church, we talked about how the church is his body, the body of Christ, the fullness of him that carries out all things in Ephesians chapter 1, and how the church in Ephesians chapter 2 at the end of the chapter is being built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Then finally, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3, He's praying that we would get a revelation of the love of God. And then he says this in verse 20, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. And in that context, he's talking about the power of the love of God. But then he says in verse 21, unto him be glory in the church throughout all ages of the world without end. We need to live for the glory of God. Now, how are we going to do that? And what Paul begins to talk about when we move into Ephesians chapter 4 is he begins to talk about how we walk this out. So how do we exalt Jesus? The second reason the church exists is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And the third reason the church exists is to evangelize the world. Amen? Now, when you study ministry... From a biblical perspective, ministry, first of all, starts with ministering to the Lord. And the Bible talks about twice as much ministering to the Lord as it does to minister to one another in the body. And then it talks twice as much about ministering to one another in the body as it talks about ministering to the world. And if you're struggling from burnout, you know why you're struggling from burnout? Because you've made your focus the world and haven't made your focus, number one, your relationship with God. But then number two, you, when you minister to the Lord, then you come and you get involved in the body of Christ and you minister to one another in the body and you're built up so you can go to the world. And if you keep that order right and minister to the Lord first and stay part of a body and stay built up, you're going to be able to go and minister to the world, evangelize the world. So the purpose of the church is exalt the Savior, equip the saints to do the ministry or edify the body, and the third thing is to evangelize the world. So I want to talk a little bit about equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4, Paul, and, and, and the theme of Ephesians is the victorious church. And in verse 7, he says this, unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he says, when he ascended up on high, he took captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Satan is a defeated foe. Jesus conquered him in his death and resurrection, and we have authority over him. But what he's saying is every born-again believer has gifts. You all have grace gifts, not just the five-fold ministry. Every person who's born again has gifts. And he says he gave gifts to men. Now, verse 9 and 10 says, now he, speaking of Jesus, ascended. What is he first descended in the lower parts of the earth? And he that descended is the same that ascended far above the heavens that he might fill. See, he's still talking the same language from Ephesians chapter 1, that he might carry out all things. How's, again, how's he do it? Through his body, the church. 
And this is how he's doing that in verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. This is talking about the fivefold ministry gifts that are given by the Lord Jesus Christ to the church. And notice on every one except pastor teacher, he says some. So not every person has one of these gifts operating, but Jesus gave the apostle to the church and the prophet and the evangelist, and the pastor teacher, and the teacher. Right? Now, what is an apostle? Apostle is like the thumb of the hand. It means a sent one. And in this, this was written that Rome was the government, governing authority, and Rome found that they could not take over an area just militarily and have the people come to, the, uh, to submit to their government. So what they would do, they would send people and introduce their culture. And if they could get people to accept their culture, right, then they could take them over effectively. So this is what an apostle means, a sent one. And what we as the church are sent to do, we are sent to affect the culture of earth with the culture of heaven. Jesus said, pray this way, pray on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we're to take heaven's authority and heaven's culture and bring heaven's culture to the earth. And apostles are like a foundational ministry and they work really closely with all of the other ministry gifts. A prophet, he gave some prophets. Prophets are like pointing fingers and they reveal things. A prophet in the Old Testament was called a seer. And a prophet by definition will operate in at least two of the three of the gifts of revelation. And they are the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Now any believer can operate in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but if you're a prophet, you're going to operate in at least two or three of those. Then he says he gave some evangelists. Evangelist is like the middle finger. Evangelist reaches out farther than all the others, right? To evangelize means to share the good news. Amen? We need to be sharing the good news. There's only one New, tame, New Testament named evangelist, and that is Philip. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 5 through 8, Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and cast out devils and healed the sick. And when the people heard the devils come out and saw the sick he healed, they gave heed to what Philip said. And they received Jesus as their Savior, and then they were baptized. When, when the apostles heard about this, they sent Peter and John down there, and Peter and John laid hands on those who had received Christ and been baptized, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So you can, Philip was an evangelist. To evangelize means to share. That's what we're to do. We're to preach the good news. We're to tell people the good news. Now, the fourth one is like the ring finger. It's the pastor. The pastor is married to the church. I am married to my wife, Barbara. The pastor will focus on the church, and I am a pastor, okay? I have more than pastoring working in me, but I definitely have pastoring working in me. Okay, and the pastor, and notice he says, and some pastors and teachers, he, doesn't say, he says, some prophets, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers, 
right? So it's pastor teacher. And if you're going to pastor people effectively, you must teach them the truth, right? You can be a teacher without being a pastor, but if you're not, if you're going to pastor effectively, you must teach, right? And a teacher is like the little finger that goes in the ear. And a, te- a true Bible teacher takes simple things, takes hard things and makes them simple. He doesn't make it so complicated that you can't understand what they're saying. If somebody has to go to the Greek and the Hebrew and they make it so complicated that you can't understand it, did you know what? That is not a teacher. If you leave there saying, I wonder what they said, that is not a true. It's to take things that are hard and make them simple, just like I did. I'm trying to make this so simple that you cannot misunderstand what I'm saying. Amen? When I teach in Bible school, I try to make it so simple that they cannot misunderstand what I'm saying. Praise God, I'm not trying to complicate it more. I'm trying to make it easy. Hallelujah. So Jesus gave these five-fold ministries. Now, Jesus, in the Old Testament, there were three main ministries, prophet, priest, and king. Jesus, you know, was all of those things. But he also fulfills all five New Testament. Hebrews 3.1 calls him the chief apostle, right? The book of Acts calls him a prophet like to Moses. He was the greatest evangelist. Evangelist goes and preaches the good news and demonstrates the gospel through the power gifts. Jesus preached the gospel and demonstrated the gospel. John 10 calls him the, the um, shepherd, Right? And 1 Peter 5 calls him the chief shepherd, and he's also the greatest teacher that ever walked on the planet. So Jesus is all five of these ministry gifts in the, in the old, in New Testament, and he fulfills all three of the Old Testament ones. And Jesus gives these ministry gifts to the church. But notice what he says in verse 12. This is where I really wanted to get. He says he gave them for the perfecting, or you could put the word maturing, of the saints. He wants the church to grow up for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, or for works of service, right? The reason Jesus gave the fivefold ministry gifts is not so we can do all the ministry. It isn't the pastors of this church that do all the ministry of this church. You know who should be doing all the ministry of this church? The body, the people of this church, right? And we're to teach you and equip you so you can go do the the work of the ministry or works of service. Ministry in its simplest form is serving Christ through serving others. Jesus was really the greatest minister and he was also the greatest servant. And the higher that you get in leadership, the more you're going to serve. And I'm not afraid of serving people. Listen, years ago, we had a person here, and they complained to my mother about my work ethic and my, that worked for us, and my mother told them, listen, Lawson will never ask you to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. And that's the God-honest truth. She told me. It was quite a while later when she told me this, but, you know, the other day I had an appointment, and, and I had a few minutes before the people were coming between my last one. I went outside and picked up some trash. It looked bad around here because the wind had been blowing all this junk from the building across the road. You know what? It snowed. I went out. I'm still not afraid to run the snow shovel. I'm not above it. Hallelujah. But ministry is doing works of service. 
Now I can't do all that. I got a lot of stuff to do that I can't even get to. And thank God I got a great team of people that helps me and a great team of volunteers. But what we're to do is equip the saints to do the works, work of the ministry or works of service. And ministry is serving Christ through serving others. And if you're going to be a great minister, you got to be a great servant. And he says this, for, to equip the saints for works of service or the work of the ministry for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. It takes the fivefold ministry so the body of Christ can be built up. But the only way the body of Christ is really going to be built up is when the church, when the body of Christ, when the members start taking on ministry. And we all do ministry. Praise God. So he goes on and says this in verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. I love that term, the unity of the faith. We may never have unity of doctrine. I mean, if we agree on Jesus and we agree that he is God manifest in the flesh and we agree that his blood washed us from our sins, that we're saved by grace, we'll probably be in heaven together. So it says the unity of the faith. It's the, the, before this in Ephesians 4, it says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Lord Jesus, one faith, the faith of Jesus, one baptism. Now there's three baptisms of believers and there's seven baptisms in the scripture. So what, he must be talking about a baptism that's universal, which is when you're saved, you're baptized, baptized by the spirit of Holy Spirit into the body of Christ according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. So unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Again, the goal is to know Jesus. To a perfect or mature man to the measure or the stature of the fullness of Christ. That from this point we be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. You know, Paul went one place and they had an altar to the unknown God and he preached a major sermon. And said, listen, you can know God. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes I hear crazy doctrines going through the charismatic church. And at that place, they, were all, they spent all their time just trying to hear some new thing. You don't just need some new thing all the time. And I'll tell you something about charismatic. Sometimes we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater because we just want to have some new thing. So he's, you need to know, have good doctrine. And he says, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, yet speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even Christ, from whom, from Jesus, the whole body is fitly joined together. Look at this in verse 16. And compacted by that which every joint supplies. If we're going to stay together and get the job done, we all have to do our part. He says, according to the effectual, effective working in the measure of every part, which makes increase of the body to the building up, up of itself in love. Well, if you're going to be effective, you got to keep walking in love. Amen? Not only keep walking in love, notice what he says, every part, the effective working, and every joint supplies. So I did a deal a while back on harvest, and I showed like 21 or 22 combines up here. And those combines maybe cost a half a million dollars a piece. I don't know. Somebody did the math and told me. But... 
Did you know what? You can take a $500,000 combine. Those combines that we had up here on the screen, every one of those can combine in eastern Colorado about a section, 640 acres a square mile of wheat in a day. Now that's a farmer day, all right? 20 hours, right? When you're in harvest, these farmers will work 20 hours, sometimes more. If you know, that's what's wrong with Pastor Lawson. Okay? Hallelujah. Amen. If you wonder why you're broke and you only want to work 40 hours and you want to take half of that and be on vacation, I'll tell you why you're broke. All right, I'm going to stop right there. Hallelujah. But every, every member does their part to hold the thing together, and every member, if this thing's going to be effective, when you think about effective ministry, did you know you can take a $500,000 combine, you can take a $5 bowl out of the end of the sickle, or you can break it, and you can render the five, that sickle's the part, it slides across the ground back and forth like this and cuts the stuff off before it rolls it in there and beats the grain out. And that sickle, if you take that $5 bolt out or break it, that 500000 that whole $500,000 machine cannot do its job. We need every person doing their part so the body can work together and be built up. And if we're going to do this, it takes everybody. Praise God. And so, you know what? So the first aspect, right, of the, of the purpose of the church is exalting the Lord Jesus, but the second is edifying the church or equipping saints to do the work of the ministry. Listen, I'm not going to try to do all the work of the ministry at this church. There's no way that I can, but there is a way that we can do it together, and that's when everybody does their part to fulfill their gift, and we all serve one another through the love of Christ. We serve Christ through serving each other, and we serve people around us. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As every person has received the gift, so let them minister one to another as good stewards of the manifold, the many-sided, the many-faceted grace of God. Grace is a many-faceted thing. You know what? If I take a beautiful diamond and hold it up into the light, you can turn it different ways and you'll see all kinds of beauty that comes from that when you look at it with different aspects because it's many faceted. The body of Christ is a many faceted thing and there's a lot of beauty in it when you hold it up to the light of Jesus. Amen? But it says, as every person, every member has received the gift, so let those individuals minister, right, as good stewards, or serve one another as good stewards of the many-sided grace of God. If you're not serving somebody, you're not doing a very great job of fulfilling your part in building up the body of Christ. And the greater minister I am, the greater servant I'm going to be just like Jesus was. Amen. So number one, we're here to exalt the Savior. Number two, to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Teach people how to serve one another. How to serve Jesus through serving each other. That's ministry. The third thing is we're here to evangelize the world. Guess what? The world needs Jesus. You know why unbelievers think like they do? Because they're blind. Because they're dead. Because they're lost. 
So what are we to do? We're to share the light and share the love of Jesus. Amen. So at the end of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus shares what we understand as being the Great Commission. And in Matthew 28, verse 18 to verse 20, after Jesus' resurrection, before his ascension, he says, all power, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? Teaching them to observe my commandments, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world or the end of this age. So we could say all authority, all dominion, Jesus said, is given to me in heaven and earth, right? Go ye therefore as his body and teach. Now, when he says teach, the word for teach here is make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciplined student of the word, first of all, one who hears what Jesus says and does it. James says, don't deceive your own selves being only here, but be a doer of the work, right? And if you continue being a doer, you're going to be blessed in your deed. James chapter one, you can read about it, okay? So, um, number one, a disciple is a doer of the word. Number two, a disciple walks in love, the God kind of love, right? Jesus said in John 13, verse uh, 34 and 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you love one another. Amen? I think that's in verse 35. He says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. People can tell you're a disciple because you love. You know how I can tell how mature you are as a believer? By how well you walk in love. Colossians 3.14 says, put on love, which is the bond of maturity. But you know what? Go read 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8, right? In the Amplified Translation and see how you're doing with the love test. That's how you're doing with maturity. A disciple is a doer of the word. A disciple walks in the love of Jesus. I'm talking Bible now, Right? A disciple also brings forth fruit. Love is the first fruit. All of the other nine fruit of the Spirit flow forth from the fruit of love. And in John chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Fruit glorifies God. So a disciple's a doer of the word, a disciple walks in a love, and in the love of God, and a disciple brings forth fruit. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Then he says this, teaching them, right? To observe, he says, no, before he says teaching, he says, baptizing them into, the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So how did the disciples baptize people in Acts chapter, in, in the book of Acts? They baptize people in the name of Jesus. So what's Jesus saying in Matthew 28 when he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? In the Greek, it means, baptize means to immerse them into. Teach them who the Father is, the Son is, and the Holy Spirit is. Do you know the Old Testament is a progressive revelation of who the Father is? 
The Gospels are a revelation of who Jesus is and he reveals the Father and the Holy Spirit. And then the epistles are a revelation of the Holy Spirit working in the church. So he says, immerse them into who the Father is, the Son is, and the Holy Spirit is. Right? In our children's curriculum, you know what we've done? Our first quarter is who is God. And the first thing is God is good. Do you know it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance? Barry Bennett was just teaching here. God brought him back from just nearly dying. It was a complete miracle. But he, after he went through this or while he, he, he started studying the goodness of God, and he said, when I studied the goodness of God, I, he said, I got more faith out of that than I ever did study in faith. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the mouth of God, hearing by the word of God. And when you understand what that's saying in Romans 10, 17, it's like when somebody comes and tells you who God really is, that'll cause your faith to work. So teach them who God is, teach them who Christ is, teach them who the Holy Spirit is. So our first year is quarter number one, who is God? Quarter number two, who is Jesus? Quarter number three, who is the Holy Spirit? Quarter number four, who are you? Amen. The next year is what is the grace of God? Amen. We teach all about the grace of God. Then we teach all about faith. Then we teach all about the promises of God. Then we teach about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know what? They've left a lot of that out of most churches. Hallelujah. We need to teach people who God is, Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, and who they are. Immerse them. Make disciples. This is kind of a pastoral side of the Great Commission. Teaching them to observe my commandments. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. Hallelujah. You know what? The world needs Jesus. And Satan is still the God of this world, but we're to shed the light and the love of Jesus all around everywhere we go until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. That happens in Revelation 11, verse 15. Another teaching. All right, then the second aspect in Mark 16, verse 15 to verse 18, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news. To every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not. Notice the focus is on believing. Shall be condemned or damned. And these signs shall follow who? These signs shall follow them who believe. These signs follow believers. Are you a believer? You know, somebody just testified to me. I prayed for their grandbaby eight days ago. And their grandbaby had a growth on their neck. And their grandparents were here this morning testified when I prayed for the baby. All of a sudden, the baby's able to pick up its head and it's doing great. Amen? Praise God. But you know what? These signs don't follow just me. These signs follow believers. Amen? These signs shall follow them who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. We're to take authority. We're to cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't teach a lot about the devil and casting out devils. And listen, Lester Sumrall was one, one of my mentors. I took a class on demons and demonology one, demons and demonology two, alien entities. I know all kind of stuff about demons and casting out devils. But I'm going to tell you, Lester Sumrall didn't take a half hour casting a devil out of anybody. He didn't even take 15 minutes. He took authority and cast the devil out. And he never carried, you never carry on a conversation with the devil. 
Why? Because the, he's the devil. He's going to lie to you. So he just acted like Jesus. Shut up and come out. Amen? In my name, they'll cast. Most people just leave that one out. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll do it through the power of the Holy Ghost. They'll speak with new tongues. I want to tell you, at this church, we believe in speaking in tongues. And if I didn't believe in speaking in tongues, you'd never heard of me. Hallelujah. And I got baptized in the Holy Spirit 46 years ago. And if I haven't spoken in tongues every day in the last 46 years, it's been nearly every day. Amen. And I thank God for the Holy Ghost. And it's when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit that I knew that I was called to preach. And if I wouldn't have got baptized in the Holy Spirit, most everybody in here wouldn't know me at all. Amen. So I make no apologies. This is a charismatic, full gospel, Pentecostal church. I, I claim it all. Amen. And we believe in all nine of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and they're presently in operation. And I thank God that they're working. Amen. And if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost as a believer, you ought to get filled with the Holy Ghost. It'll change your life for good. He said, then he goes on to say in Mark 16, they'll take up serpents. Now, we don't believe in snake handling. Right? But if you're like Paul and out there preaching and you decide to get some sticks for the fire and a snake jumps out and bites you, you know what you do? You shake it off. And in Acts 27, Paul was shipwrecked. He was on this ship as a prisoner, and he was telling the people what they would do, what they should do, and they wouldn't listen to him. Then they got in a, in a big mess, and they were in this cyclone, and they hadn't seen the sun or the stars many days. And Paul says, fear not. God spoke to me, and this ship is going to be wrecked. But everybody on board is going to be alive. Amen. And there were 276 people on that ship. Paul got them all saved to land, and I believe he got them all saved. <laughs> he made a believer, and when they wouldn't listen to him, then they started listening to him. Amen? And then he, they landed on the island of Miletia, and Publius was the chief man on the island, and his dad, the governor of the island, was sick with a bloody flux and a fever, and Paul went and laid hands on him and healed him, and they had a great revival on that island. You know what? God wants to use you wherever you're at, no matter how bad or how good it looks, amen? God wants to use you and make a difference in the world through you, and if you'll listen to the Holy Ghost, you can do it. Amen? They're going to take up serpents if they drink any deadly thing. If somebody tries to poison you, it's not going to work. If they try to kill you, it's not going to work. There's people that have tried to destroy us. There's people that, all kind of stuff I can tell you. But I'm, it's not dependent on them. It's dependent on Jesus. I got divine protection. And they shall, who? These signs shall follow them who believe. They shall lay hands on the sick. Believers shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. I release you in the name of Jesus to go lay hands on the sick. I release you in the name of Jesus to go heal the sick. Hallelujah. And watch them recover. I release you in the name of Jesus to go cast out devils. Just take authority over it. Amen. I don't teach a lot about it because people get their eye on the devil this, the devil that, the devils, and the devil ain't what he used to be. Just go take authority over him. And if you realize that Jesus already delivered 
delivered you from the authority of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of his dear son, you can start walking in the light of redemption. Amen. Now, in Luke 16, uh, Luke 24, and I'm going to end right here, verse 46 to verse 48, 49. Jesus said to them again, thus it, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. This is the whole reason Jesus said that I came, that I went to the cross, that I was raised from the dead, that repentance and remission of sin would be preached in his name, my name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You start where you're at and go out from there and preach repentance and remission of sin. Now, I love this. I looked up the word repentance here, and the word repentance means a change of mind and a change of purpose. Hallelujah. When you have a change of mind. You know why the world's messed up? Because they think wrong. But if you get them saved and teach them the word of God, they'll start thinking right. You know what? If we don't get a bunch of people saved, we're going to lose a lot of stuff. But I believe we're going to get a bunch of people saved. Amen. Franklin Graham's been going down to the border where they're letting all these illegal aliens in and preaching the gospel to them. And if they get saved, those people with the Hispanic background value life and they're not going to vote for all these liberal nuts. We got to get them saved. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God bless Franklin Graham. Amen. We need to keep telling people about Jesus. We need to keep sharing the gospel, whether they receive it or they don't. You got to keep sharing. Amen. Keep telling people the truth. <laughs> Repentance and remission of sin. This word remission is the Greek word aphesis, and it means the absolute pardon of your sins as if they were never committed. Hallelujah. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. And, and when you are forgiven, you are pardoned as if it was never committed. Secondly, it means this, to free you from the power of sin. So not only has the penalty of sin been uh, broken or, or paid for, the power of sin has been broken. That repentance and remission of sin would be preached among all nations, all people beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father on you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power, till you're clothed with power from on high. You know what Jesus was saying? Listen, I am sending you to share the gospel. I'm sending you to share the good news, the good message of me. I'm sending you to lay hands on the sick. I'm sending you to cast out devils. I'm sending you to go in my name and rely on me. But don't leave town without the Holy Ghost. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. If you're going to cast out devils, if you're going to heal the sick, if you're going to get people saved and set free by the power of God, you need the Holy Ghost. Amen. So why are we here? We're here to exalt Jesus. We're here to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And we're here to evangelize the world. We're, we're here to tell the, good, the world the good news about Jesus. God bless you. I love you. I'm done. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.